Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kirk is also a creator and loves pop culture and the kitsch. Just like your podcast host. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say it in a different way because I clearly can't put two O vowels together. <laughs> hey everyone, it's Elliot. And Todd, welcome to Two Designers Walk Into a Bar, an ongoing conversation about pop culture and iconic design. The comedian Bill Hicks once said, It's always funny until someone gets hurt. Then it's just hilarious. He also said there's nothing funnier than a podcast with two guys in a bar, except me and pretty much every other comedian I know. Uh, I don't know if I believe that last one. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, in the spirit of the first sentiment, we're going to discuss two items that promised hours of fun that were found in the pages of comic books for quite literally decades. So today we're pitting two more family favorites against one another. The familiar sound of the whoopee cushion against the familiar sight of the rubber chicken. <laughs> Belly up to the bar and pick your poison. We're all about to learn a thing or two. Yeah, poison. Chicken. All right, chicken. <laughs> chicken and poison. <laughs> All right. Here we are back in the bar. Elliot, I have a question for you. Okay, shoot. Um, like, if you think about symbols of industry, right? Uh -huh. The barber poles, the red and white striped, three balls representing pawn shops. What do you think would be the ultimate symbol of novelty comedy? Would it be trick gum? Uh, fake dog poop. What do you think? I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for the classics, like slipping on a banana peel, maybe. Oh, that is a classic, yeah. Um, so let me talk about one that I think is a really good symbol. And, okay. uh, and, and I'm going to try to sell you on this as being a, a symbol of the novelty comedy industry. Um, the rubber chicken, the venerable rubber chicken <laughs> has become the symbol of all things silly and absurd. So in the spirit of the last couple of episodes, how we were talking about a lot of these things. So we had, you know, ant farms, sea monkeys. We had yeah. the, the Art Institute Art tests. Institute. We had the dynamic Charles tension. I, and obviously, Todd, I can tell by your physique that you were a student of Charles Atlas. Um, did you? I've never, I mean, I've seen in stores rubber chickens. I don't think I've ever known anybody who at least admitted or like showed <laughs> off the rubber chicken in their prop comedy collection. So, did you ever own a rubber chicken? 
I did actually. Not really? Uh, a couple this forms. Yeah, and I even had I had a rubber chicken keychain uh, <laughs> one time too. And uh, you know, you got to have a rubber chicken. That that gets the party going. Oh, right? okay. Uh, I mean, that, nothing nothing says silly and stupid quite like a rubber chicken. Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. Right? Well, knowing your CV, this holds up. Yeah, that does. Yeah. I mean, I put that at the top, right? Yep. Um, but here's the funny thing. Like, the origins of the rubber chicken are pretty inconsistent. And uh, I, I was like, yeah, this has got to be something, right? Somebody had to do this. It had to evolve. Um, I had kind of an idea where I thought it might be peaking. Um, but I was like, yeah, let's look into this some. So it probably goes without saying, like, rubber chickens weren't really a thing until the rubber age, which was dawning around 1839. Uh, okay. Um, but, and that's about the time show business historians think it first kind of flopped on the stage. You know, so I think that makes sense. Um, but there's also this legendary English clown named Joseph Grimaldi, who had a role in getting the, the plucked rubber chicken fowl to the stage too Ooh, okay hang on just a minute i'm gonna put in an order for some wings so i can sit back and <laughs> oh, hear this story oh insult to injury right there yeah okay all right good uh so in the early 1800s we i didn't know this maybe you knew this gluttony was a symbol of wealth and power right because if you gotta <laughs> pick if you gotta pick a sin you might as well pick gluttony it is one of my uh, favorites it is one of my favorite sins too um so, obviously, lampooning gluttony was super hilarious to the lower social classes. And this English clown, uh, Joseph Grimaldi, what he would do is he would take the stage with fake food props stuffed in his, in his giant pockets and use that to poke fun at the upper class. Like, he just had, you know, more food than he could really need. So, it was just hanging on him all the time and the the british audiences ate it up uh, good pun see what you did I, there so uh, grimaldi uh, was sort of uh, what the 1800s gallagher <laughs> yeah 1800s gallagher uh name your prop comic yeah um and he was widely praised for kind of developing this art of prop comedy it's hard to think about it but that just didn't exist until then and we can thank him for another fabulous comedian elliot carrot top right uh i'm not sure thank is the word i would use okay all right well we, we won't discuss carrot top then uh so fake food was his thing and maybe a fake chicken not a rubber chicken yet um you know because he died before, like a, even a decade before, rubber was invented. So it could have been another form of a fake chicken. But then there's other comedy scholars that say the rubber chicken goes back way further than that. Um, and I think you'll love this one. Um, the dead chicken gag may have its origins in medieval times, believe it or not. You mean the restaurant chain? Because <laughs> no. I've had some of their chicken. And, and it's a rubber I, yeah, chicken? Yeah, and I believe they do, in fact, serve rubber chicken. Well, that that's a good one. That would be nice, wouldn't it? But no, oddly enough, um, the real medieval times, mm. uh, you know, the middle of the 1500s. Because oddly enough, dead chickens were pretty plentiful back then. And 
Jesters could easily just toss them around into the audience as funny props. And I bet that was hilarious, don't you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's the same comedy, same prop comedy that uh, it's from the same people that inflated pig bladders to make them like the early fart cushions. So that, that had to be hilarious. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't jump ahead in the story here. Okay, okay, okay. So 1500s, 1800s, you're jumping all over the place. Yeah. So what was peak rubber chicken? Like what? What time was that? If I, because I'm I'm in the garage, I'm working on my DeLorean. I think I almost right, have it done. Right. And I'm I'm thinking about traveling back and and really you know indulging myself. So finding when, when, peak yeah, rubber chicken. Yeah. Comedy. What what date yeah. am I plugging into my car for this? Well, you're you're right to observe the dates are jumping around because there's no real clear date for uh, the invention of the rubber chicken. I would say, you know, just like all mythological creatures, it sprang whole cloth at one time and nobody knows. But we certainly do have a period when they were certainly used a lot on stage. And for my money, that is vaudeville and burlesque shows. Um, that was early decades of 1900s America. Because that was the peak of slapstick. Mm. So... If you think about it, okay, this is this is interesting though. If you think about how comedy reflects the socioeconomic times then, and in the early 1900s, America was uh, the melting pot of different ethnicities. So this type of slapstick humor, it didn't rely on dialogue. Uh, sure. There were no language barriers, right? Sure. Kind of like action in superhero movies now playing around the world. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, comics just popped each other with uh, actual slap sticks and, you know, sprayed each other with seltzer bottles and pulled rubber chickens from their <laughs> baggy pants to whack each other with them. <laughs> I suddenly have some new bar attire I'm thinking about. Some baggy pants? So. Yeah, yeah, new rubber chickens. and Right. So anyway, so so that's comedy, right? I mean, that's, yeah. you know, the, the old standbys. So you mentioned this was roughly 100 years ago where people just laughing at wacky shit so you mentioned the middle ages chickens getting tossed in the crowd now you have rubber chickens and seltzer water you know a lot of like physical interaction with the props and everything like that what's going on here i love we're having this conversation um as part of my uh phd uh dissertation on uh on comedy and props this is it's, i'm really glad we're talking about this this will help my defense great oh okay good but you ask a question and like i said it was kind of the peak of slapstick and do you do you know where the term slapstick comes from by the way no hit me okay uh, don't yeah i wish i could <laughs> um uh, there's rules against that in the bar no but it was uh it's actually uh a, a stick that had like another flat piece of wood attached to it that would flap yes. and so to yes. cue the audience to laugh they would slap each other with the stick and it would be like whack you know yes and, I mean, yes. come on again hilarious right yeah hey but, hold on I, I suddenly i have afternoon plans i have something i need to do before our next recording session <laughs> uh, okay but, um, yeah, uh, you know, think about burlesque. Um, it was camp 
and it was body. You know, people ate this stuff up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was very over the top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's probably intense with sawdust floors and mm-hmm. you know hoochie coochie dancers and pulling yeah, very large... very much like Carnival, the show we've talked about. Yeah, uh, yeah, in the yeah, past. yeah, yeah, yeah. Carnival talks about this a lot. It's really well done. Um, so pulling the large floppy phallic thing out of your pants and smacking somebody with it just kind of dirty you know kind of funny but it was like hey my floppy rubber chicken is bigger than your floppy rubber chicken (laughs) (laughs) okay so some of this starts to sound uh maybe a bit more contemporary (laughs) so so it's the witless alpha male ranking uh that's going on where you know it's all about male virility and and, you know, again, going back to Charles Atlas, the bigger guy kicking sand, or in this case, uh, a bigger rubber chicken in the face of the guy with a smaller rubber chicken. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was just a dick slap, really. I think it was just mimicking that. Yeah, okay. So that was 100 years ago, right? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, wh- what about today? Like I said, you know, you happen to own a rubber chicken. I have never owned and like i said i'm not sure i've ever seen outside of novelty sort like i'm not sure i've ever seen a rubber chicken in the wild right mm, so yeah, yeah are they still around like what's what's the you know i have a few extra dollars lying around and i'm wondering should i invest in the rubber chicken futures here like what's the market like that's uh you're right to use the word investment because investments should be things that you love and you feel strongly about. I don't think it's going to return on that investment, but you never know. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, you ask how big the market was. It, we really don't know because no one <laughs> owns the patent uh, to oh, a rubber chicken, okay. oddly enough. Um, but I did read about this guy named Jim Rose, and he's president of Luftus International, which is a family-run Salt Lake City novelty company, been around for a long time. He says, even among the classics, and I'm talking your plastic dog do, your fart whistles, disappearing ink, he says his most famous item is still the rubber chicken, and he guesses they sell between 10 to 20,000 per year. You know what, I'm thinking we could uh, rename this podcast Fart Whistle. I love that too. How about plastic dog do and fart whistles? That what, <laughs> that like, was like our dancer names. Yeah, in college, it was like is that like Ponch and John? <laughs> yeah, which one of us is fart whistle and which one of which us one is, is plastic, plastic dog do? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway, ten to twenty thousand. So that's a really big. That's a gamut, right? That's a wide range. So yeah. you know, Loftus, if if he's not that focused on that line item, he must have a diversified pranks business. He must, yeah. I mean, it is kind of like, I'm guessing we sell this many or twice as many. Eh, who's looking at the books? Right. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think um, I think it's, they're still pretty widely sold. Um, we know that Americans buy more rubber chickens than any other place in the world. And there's even some things like steel today that uh, are built around rubber chickens like there's an annual ladies rubber chicken tossing contest every year at the iowa state fair surely you've heard about that but but only the ladies only the ladies yeah and be remiss if we didn't give a shout out to this year's winners of the ladies rubber chicken tossing contest at the iowa state fair there's jay wilson of des moines and in the over 50 group congrats to the winner 
Becky Reber McAfee from Avondale, Arizona. Enjoy your ribbons, ladies, and the five bucks of the first prize money that goes along with that. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, Jay and Becky, if you're listening, contact us for some free congratulatory two-designer swag. Good game. Good game. Yeah. It's no rubber chicken, but, you know, it's you deserve it, right? Mm, they earned it, yeah. So while we're talking state fairs and other Lake Wobegon news, the Guinness Book of World Records title holder for the largest rubber chicken toss is 1,013 people. And that was achieved by Saboba Casino in San Jacinto, California on uh, not too long ago, actually, April 29th, 2017. So wait, is this one, when you say largest rubber chicken toss, is this one giant rubber chicken and it took 1,000 people to lift it? No, 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 no. It's a, it's a big group of people. It's 1,000 people, and no. each of them have rubber chickens, and they start throwing them at each other. You know, funny. It's hilarious. Okay. You get it? You do you, get do you, it? Can we find video of this or a photo of this? Or something? Uh, I bet we could. I okay. mean, it's historical. It was a Guinness Book yeah, of World yeah, Records Guinness, thing. So Guinness should Book be. should have it for sure. There's even a, a coda to this, okay. um, an ironic coda, as, as we like to say. Um, Alice Cooper, the rocker Alice Cooper, tried to break the record just a few years later on the 50th anniversary of his notorious chicken incident. You know about that? Hold on. What, what was that? No, yeah. Is this like right. ten cent beer night in Cleveland? Like what happened? <laughs> what what went down? Oh, that does sound like a fun time. Ten cent beer night in Cleveland. Okay, just real quick. The Alice Cooper band, they were performing at the Toronto Rock and Roll Revival Festival in September of nineteen sixty-nine when someone threw a live chicken named Pecker on stage. Uh, I, you can't make this up. Hmm. Alice, Alice, he's he's a city boy from Detroit, right? Sure. He thought reasonably that chickens could fly. So he picked up the chicken. He threw it into the air, expecting it to fly away. But you and I know chickens don't fly, and you can guess what happened to it when it landed in the audience, right? Yeah, poor pulverized pecker. <laughs> you can say that again. Um, two final things. First, did you know there's a rubber chicken museum? <laughs> well, I do now. Yeah, you do. Okay, we love Archie McPhee, right? You know Archie McPhee, the novelty company? Oh, yeah. So this museum is in the Seattle novelty store. Ah, um, uh, okay. And uh, are there big surprises there? Nah, a bunch of rubber chickens. <laughs> um, but... It's just what you'd expect, yeah. But Archie McPhee, they have tiny rubber chickens. They have racing ones. They have chicken leg finger feet. They have an emotional support rubber chicken, uh, which is complete with its own little red service vest. And I think you should get one of those, Elliot. Yeah, I and should. The list is endless, really. So Archie McPhee is your go-to place for, uh, for all novelties and especially rubber chickens. But at the museum... You can even take your picture next to the world's largest rubber chicken. And you can get a really super close-up look at the world's smallest rubber chicken. Okay. They even have, How small <laughs> is that? 
<laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't have a measurement, but it's tiny. Like you look through a thing to see it, right? Like a magnifying glass. Yeah, smaller than my than my keychain rubber chicken. That's yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, they even have a viewing of a destroyed remains of a rubber chicken that was flattened in the Archie McPhee warehouse. Not Pecker. It wasn't Pecker. Like on purpose or by accident? Well, you know. I don't know. I'm imagining when it was on accident, like it fell out of a box and the um, the the trucks and the tow motors were just like cruising all over it. So yeah, I think that'd be pretty interesting viewing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, warehouse roadkill. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty interesting viewing. Huh. Don't you? Yeah, after, uh, after this, I'm buying my uh, plane ticket to Seattle. Yeah, don't go without me. Because uh, I want to have our picture taken in front of the giant rubber chicken, too. And then the tiny rubber chicken. Yeah, well, although we couldn't see it. But well, yeah. we'd point at it. Oh, well, there you go. People know that what that would mean. Um, it's too bad they haven't done a, you know, an Alice Cooper um, homage rubber chicken. But I guess that would be in bad taste, wouldn't it? <laughs> Speaking of bad taste, where are those wings? Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, I told you there were two other final things. Uh, the Rubber Chicken Museum was one. The second, just to mention, I think this is really cool. I came across a really neat book, and it's called Mail Order Mysteries, Delightful Treasures from Vintage Comic Book Ads. It's by a guy named Kirk Damaris. Uh, Kirk is a creator and also, like your favorite podcast host, loves pop culture and kitsch and you know he seems like he should visit us in the bar don't you think yeah i've seen this book as well and it's really great this reminds me of visiting the bar you know i really wish we could pay our bar tab in rubber chickens well uh yeah but you know we don't know how much they're worth if they can't really tell us how many are sold so uh, speaking of paying the bar tab. Oh, uh, you're going to take care of it? Your generosity knows no bounds. Uh, man, if I could just pull the rubber chicken out from my baggy pants and slap you with it right now, it would be so good. So good. Everyone grab your next round and join us back here in just a minute. We're going to make some whoopee. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional Book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading. reading! Hi. We want to take a moment to mention that if you're enjoying this episode, we have an archive of topics ranging from the Olympics to movie posters. Think Ghostbusters. Iconic images. Think Bigfoot. Punk music, The Ramones, Saturday morning cartoons, The Pink Panther, and failed products like OK Soda. 
Visit our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com for full episode notes and visuals, the latest blog content, and to sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on social media. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Find the links on our website or search using the phrase, Two Designers Walk Into a Bar. Most importantly, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people like you find podcasts like this. And tell a friend about us. Send them a link to our podcast from your listening platform of choice. And if you're inclined, buy our merchandise. Stickers, coasters, magnets, t-shirts. We're designers. We make good stuff, and it helps support the show. Get in touch. Use the contact form on our website or send an email to hello at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. We read every message we get. Honest. And we're available for speaking gigs. Email us to learn more. Okay, now, back to the bar. Okay, Todd, we're back in the bar, and I have a question for you. All right, shoot. Okay, when I say flatulence humor, oh. aside from our podcast, what comes to mind? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, there is, um, I love farting Farm animals, you know, cows do that <laughs> okay. a lot, obviously. That's okay. what's ruining the ozone people, by the way. You yep. know that. Methane, um, yeah. You know, I love a fart joke in any form. I can't have it enough. It's just, if you've got a dead space and you need a laugh, nothing's going to do it like a fart, right? <laughs> well, that's why we have the fart whistle, I guess. That's right. But, but okay, what's really accessible to everybody, though, if you want that kind of humor... That's got to be the the whoopee cushion. Yep, you you just sat on it. Yep. <laughs> oh, hey, oh, see hey. what you did there. <laughs> that would be a good place for a fart sound effect, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, we'll we'll drop one in there. <laughs> so some of you may know of the whoopee cushion by some of its other uh, less common names or more regional names, perhaps. All right, the farting bag, the poo poo cushion, <laughs> the windy blaster. The raspberry <laughs> cushion, or wait for this last one, okay. the, the boop boop a doop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's hilarious. I don't think I would buy a boop boop a doop. Oh, you never I know. know. I think it's all I about how it's positioned, right? Yeah. Um, yeah you're right. Most you're right. people, though, especially those first introduced to it via the sophisticated humor of comic books, of uh-huh. course, know it as the whoopee cushion. Um, right. Now, I will say that we tend to be suckers for the classics of this podcast mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. talked about with vaudeville i just didn't know until doing research on the whoopee cushion how much that is in fact the truth oh okay uh say more about that all right todd so it turns out lowbrow culture spans millennia as it should Thank yes. you. Thank yes. you, my relatives. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently you are descended from the Romans then. Oh, yes. okay. So the whoopee cushion has reportedly been used since ancient times. Really? So there was a Roman emperor named Elagabalus who reigned from 2018 to 2022 AD. Wow. And he was said to enjoy practical jokes at his dinner parties. I mean... 
let's be honest, who doesn't? Yes. And so he often placed what were called, quote unquote, air pillows made mm. from animal bladders. You had mentioned that earlier. Ah, uh, yeah. How about that? Yeah. Under the chairs of his more pompous guests. So he was targeting here. He knew who he had in the crosshairs for his jokes. Yeah, yeah. So get this, though. He started his rule uh, in Rome at age 14. So... Yeah, he was, he was in, you know, he came by it honest, the whoopee cushion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he was assassinated at 18. Oh, wow. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe it was because of his pranks. Research there is fuzzy. Yeah, so, hmm. Still, Rome, cornerstone of civilization in so many ways. True. But, Todd, I'm not done yet. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So about seven centuries later, the emir. Well, there's a break in time, right? Yes. Yeah. So we've <laughs> we've hopped hopped forward about 700 years here, and the emir Zayadat Allah the Third of Ifriqiya, and Ifriqiya is the northern part of Africa. Oh. And it is said that he enjoyed hiding inflated animal bladders under the cushions of his palace for unsuspecting guests to sit on. So I don't know if he knew about the Roman tradition. Maybe he came by this independently. But then in doing some additional research, this may or may not actually be true. So we're not sure if he was also a a pioneer in prop comedy. Oh, okay, okay. Two things. Yeah. First of all, major props to you for pronouncing all of these uh, names from different civilizations in different times when I only had to talk about winners of the Iowa State Fair. And secondly, enough with the history lesson, though. Let's get down to some funny business, all right? Sure, I agree. Okay, so the modern rubber whoopee cushion was invented in the 30s, the 1930s, by the what I'll refer to, I'm going to call them the GEM rubber company, J-E-M. Okay. It's in all capital letters. might be J-E-M. It might be GEM. GEM is more fun to say. Okay. So I'm going to say GEM. Okay. So the GEM Rubber Company of Toronto, Canada. And uh, one day, so this is during the Depression, some of the employees were experimenting with scrap sheets of rubber. Okay. So how did they stumble on this? Like, were they just uh, trying to make balloons or were they smacking each other with it? Uh, They couldn't (laughs) have known about ancient Rome, could they? Uh, You know what, Todd? I don't know. Yeah. But I do know that these Canadians were successful and resourceful, okay? Yes. So, GEM's owners approached Samuel Sorensen Adams, and he was the inventor of over 650 practical jokes. Wow. I'm going to run down uh, a quick list of some of the classics that are from Adams here. Okay, you ready? Yeah. The joy buzzer. Okay. Sneezing powder. Uh-huh. Dribble glass. Oh, uh, favorite. Stink bomb. I love it. Yeah. So this guy owned, and you probably heard of this, the S.S. Adams Company. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. So S.S. Adams gets approached by Jem with their newly invented item. And Adams thought that the whoopee cushion was, quote unquote, too vulgar. And would never sell. And this was said by a guy from New Jersey. He should have studied practical joke history. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Jem then starts pumping these suckers out on their own, right? They're like, well, we don't need this guy. We already came up with it. We know how to make it. 
So while we think of whoopee cushions as being red, right? Mm -hmm. And that pops in your head. These were sort of a mint green, and they had, you'll love this, they had an illustration on them of a kid wearing a kilt, boots (laughs) with spurs, and toting a gun. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? That's a prankster wardrobe if I've ever seen one. I know. We should wear that to the bar the next time we We stop in. We should, yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't let us in, probably. I I don't know. They might welcome us with open arms. They're going to be like... You ne'er-do-wells, we know what you're up to. That's right. It was the the kilt and spurs that gave it away. (laughs) Okay. And the the original Whoopi Cushions also had a a wooden mouthpiece, like a wooden stopper, apparently. Oh, uh-huh. So now we think of them as being more like true balloons. Uh Uh-huh. And I love the thought of a combination kazoo and Whoopi Cushion. (laughs) Can you imagine going into band class with that? (laughs) So Yeah, right. (laughs) uh, Anyway... So Johnson Smith Company, famous for their full-page ads and the comics we all love, they saw what Jem was doing, and they approached them to get the rights to sell it. So mm-hmm. um, Adams turned them down. They ended up going with a competitor. The Whoopi Cushion starts to take off. Mm-hmm. So Adams later released its own version, calling it the Raspberry Cushion. Mm-hmm. And the good news is Jem made those as well. <laughs> so eventually they did get the joke, right? Sure. Uh, so you should explain what a whoopee cushion is for the poor, uninitiated, and less sophisticated among us. Yeah, my, my guess is that you've lasted this long as a listener. You probably are quite familiar with lowbrow humor like the whoopee cushion. Correct, correct. But for the rest of you, a whoopee cushion is made from two sheets of rubber that are glued together at the edges with a small flap opening at one end for air to enter and exit. So mm-hmm. uh, kind of like a balloon, right? Mm-hmm. So sort mm-hmm. of like one of those Party City foil balloons. If you think about how they're kind of round, but they're not a, a circle, you know, they're kind of flat at the at the front and back for the pictures. That's what a whoopee cushion is turned sideways. Okay, all right. So these things are pretty cheap, right? They aren't durable, they break easily, especially if you blow them up too much or they're sat on with excessive force. And Johnson Smith sold whoopee cushions for a quarter a piece. And this was during the Depression. Mm, mm-hmm. But they also came out with a deluxe version made with fabric reinforced rubber that was much stronger. And that cost a buck and a quarter. So, Todd, wow. that was five times as much. Yeah, but I'd argue a good fart sound is a great way to end some depression. True. I can't argue with that. Yeah. So at some point, the color went from green to red. And today they come in a bunch of different colors. And it turns out that there's another type of whoopee cushion. So now we're getting into subtleties. You talked about oh, yeah. all the variants of the, of the you know, rubber chicken from the keychains right, right. to the giant one, whatever. So there are self-inflating whoopee cushions that have an interior sponge, and that keeps them normally expanded. So you don't have to inflate them. They sort of just reinflate on their own as oh, the sponge expands. I love that. That does sound high-tech, though. Oh, yeah. Well, look, either way, you place the cushion on your seat, you cover it with a blanket or some other form of material, like a cushion or something. Uh huh. And then when the unsuspecting <clears throat> victim sits on it, <laughs> the air is forced out, the flap vibrates, and it makes a fart sound. Ah, flatulence humor. There's I mean, nothing better. There really isn't. Yeah, yeah. So if the victim happens to sit on the opening, and blocks the airflow. That's when the cushion could pop. 
right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so Todd, for this reason, seasoned veterans, the professionals among us, they will always place the whoopee cushion so the opening extends towards the front of the chair uh-huh. where it's less likely to be sat on. However, okay. of course, the hazard is someone might see that part hanging out and, and they might not sit down. Hmm. Okay. Uh, all right. Hold on. I'm writing this down. Just yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, pro tips. Pro yeah, tips. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Draw Extend some diagrams too. Yeah, the front. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm drawing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So like all great art, it's all about the technique, right? Absolutely. Okay. So as we wrap up, I want to mention a couple of pop culture nuggets related to the whoopee cushion. Okay. All right. All right. So first, in a 1942 movie, Road to Morocco, <laughs> Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, they slipped a jury-rigged whoopee cushion under a shake. And uh, as you can imagine, laughs and hijinks galore soon follow. <laughs> and we'll link to this scene on our episode page so you can watch it for yourselves. I can't imagine that a shake would be, like, so excited to be the victim of a, of a fart joke. Yeah, well, you never know. I mean, You never know, you know yeah. Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, two known diplomats, Todd. Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. Okay. And then second, our friend Leslie Nielsen, who, of course... The airplane. Airplane and Naked Gun uh, films. He was a huge fan of whoopee cushions. And he... He actually even let them go in front of actual royalty. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And just like the whoopee cushion, he was Canadian. True. Love Canadians. Oh, man. Uh, you do love Canadians. I do love Canadians. Yeah. And I think with that, we, we close our whoopee cushion circle. Okay, Todd. So, again, right. as, as with our past episodes, which here is the better investment? Hmm. So you you mentioned owning a rubber chicken. Do you ever own a whoopee cushion? I have plenty. Okay. And, okay. And so yeah. Okay. So here's how I'm looking at this, and I'm I'm just stalling for a minute to make a decision. If you want your long-term investment, the rubber chicken is it because it's always going to be the symbol of comedy. Um, if you want to just jump, but that that requires an audience, right? A pretty yeah. good audience. Yeah. If you want some good laughs with not as many people like an audience, if you want some bring the laughs into the audience, not on stage, the whoopee cushion for my money is is a good buy. So I have to say I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I would invest in the whoopee cushion. Uh, all right, how about you, Elliot? So for your money, which would you invest in? The rubber chicken or a whoopee cushion? Yeah, we should have. Uh, how much does a rubber chicken go for nowadays? They're not cheap. I think they're, you know, in the uh, slightly below nine bucks area. Okay, and I don't know how much a whoopee cushion is. I should have, I should have looked that up too. My guess is it's still cheaper than a, a rubber chicken. Yeah. So thinking about that and thinking about my comedy fund, my comedy investment. Right. I mean, obviously, the rubber chicken is more durable. Right. But I, my fear, I'll be honest with you, my fear with a rubber chicken is that, like, if I were to take a rubber chicken onto a college campus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and start throwing it around or hitting people with it, I don't know if they would know what it is or what it represents. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Whereas like if I were to go over to the student union, slide some whoopee cushions around or go into the library and do that, which would probably be even better. 
I think people would know what a whoopee cushion is. Yes, yeah, farts are timeless. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, they, they really are. So I think in terms of like the money spent versus the, the humor payoff, like mm-hmm. the ROI, mm-hmm. my return mm-hmm. on investment, I would have to go with a whoopee cushion too. I know that mm-hmm. it's not going to have a bunch of shelf life. It'll break. Even probably if I got one of the fabric reinforced ones. But you know what? Because they're so inexpensive, I can get a bunch of them. That's true. That's true. So I would have to go down on the side of the whoopee cushion too. And you know what? What? I think I think for next time we, we come back to the bar, we could unknowingly to all the other patrons, we could give them the gift of a whoopee cushion on all their stools. Oh my gosh. What a great idea, man. That's the gift that keeps on giving. It really Just is. Just gives and gives. Okay, Todd. So speaking of the gift that keeps on giving, my wings are all eaten. I'm kind uh, of feeling thirsty. And I'm hoping that uh, now that you took care of our bar tab and we have a good reputation and a clean slate, mm. uh, it might be worth uh, might be worth you going to grab us another round. Oh, my. Who didn't see that coming? Um, so, dear listeners, see you next time here in the bar. And, Elliot, I fully expect when I come back from the bar that I will make a fart sound when I sit down. Um, I'm sure you will. Whether there's a whoopee cushion or not. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if you need my help for that. <laughs> All right. See you again soon. See you, everybody. I'm Sarah, the Paper Nerd, and if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received, well, quite a lot. Get your paper fix on the paper fold where I host an enchanting mix of personalities and players all nerding out on my favorite topic, stationery. From the designs of our snail mail communications to the precious space created when two people correspond, there's a lot to cover. So come grab a seat in the stationery community's only five-star paper salon, The Paper Fold, now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com.